0: You're listening to the YWAM Nashville podcast. My name's Cody. My name is Michael, and we'll be your hosts
1: for this season.
0: Alrighty, here we are again,
1: episode five. Tis
0: indeed. We just got done salvaging Luke's car from a mud pit. <laughs> we may have half destroyed his bumper, but that's okay. <laughs> We got Michael Mack here again. Woot. Oh, yes. Yeah. The man, the myth, the legend. How you doing? Doing great. Feeling a little tired. I was
2: in the woods um, trailblazing. We're been gonna, working hard. We're working hard um, blazing a trail down to the Red River that's at the back side of our campus. It's going to be exciting. I think we're going to have some amazing ministry opportunities out of there's like probably a thousand people that pass by our campus Mm. on the red river on a typical saturday (laughs) yeah so we always you know being in adams tennessee and not exactly in nashville tennessee it seems like we're in a bubble sometimes and it's hard to find people to do ministry to on a just normal regular basis where we have to go like Really out of our way to find people to yeah. minister to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, it's like we unearthed like this gem of ministry opportunity down by the river. So
0: It's going to be great. All right.
1: How are you doing, Michael? Other Michael? I'm doing well. Also kind of tired and out of it mentally, but it's all good. How are you, Cody? I feel pretty good.
0: Yeah. So what you got for... Our up-and-coming news, I don't know.
1: Current events? Yeah, that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, current events slash prayer slash challenge time uh, is what it's been. (laughs) But So, one thing is that Ravi Zacharias just died. Cancer, that's the thing. Um, And one kind of, I mean, obviously we can be praying for them and their family and, and his ministry and friends and all the things but uh one thing that struck me when i was reading an article about it was that he was like a hardcore skeptic at 17 like raised in a christian home hardcore skeptic at 17 uh then tried to commit suicide and then was hospitalized due to that suicide attempt where a youth worker came and gave him a bible and like told him about jesus and told him some bible verses and he got like rocked by that uh and then gave his life to Jesus and went to impact thousands maybe million, millions of people and so i was kind of just thinking about it and just thinking like i don't, well we're in time where where the suicide rate is pretty high but in general life you know let's be sharing the gospel because you have this one instance of this worker who goes to a hospital room and gives a 17 year old boy, a Bible and tells him about Jesus. Like he already had Christian parents. So I don't even know. It didn't give like detail on what he said, but I'm sure it wasn't like a super complicated message or anything, but gives him a Bible and just talks to him. And then like that guy goes on to impact how many people, you know, and has like a crazy worldwide ministry and stuff. So just kind of, I felt the challenge myself of like when I'm out in public and my, viewing people like oh what does the lord want to do in that person's life you know like maybe i don't have a crazy worldwide ministry but maybe like that guy would go and be the next like billy graham or something you know
2: yeah i think we need to definitely be praying that we are stirred on a continual basis for the lost i think that's something that our christianity has really lost in this day is like a burning passion that is in constant acknowledgement of the dire situation in the world that Mm. our hearts as every person we pass is not like reaching out to them or desiring to reach out to them kind of waiting on the Lord's prompting to do it not that we shouldn't just do it even if there's not a prompting because the Lord has already spoken to us to go yeah and to preach the gospel to every person. So,
0: We had a few more things we wanted to talk about as far as current events. Um, I just wanted to make you aware, if you're not already, you probably have been, but just like the general revival that has been sweeping through Brazil for the past however many years.
2: Slash the world.
0: Slash <laughs> the world. But, <laughs> yeah, they had like these huge missions conferences things that how many like thousands uh, tens hundred thousands. Of forty people. thousand
1: people wow this is the number i read yeah for the send in brazil they had three stadiums there was one hundred and forty thousand people in that attendance. showed up yeah in attendance and then there was yeah there was like hundreds of thousands of people online too so yeah
2: just crazy uh, i think people even got turned away yeah, that's at crazy. St- at the stadiums. <laughs> and
1: Man. the president of Brazil gave his life to the Lord there. Yeah. I don't know if he was physically there or I think
0: so, so. yeah. That's yeah. what we want for America. <clears throat> and if you if you are
1: evangelized by a Brazilian, do not be surprised.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great people.
1: But yeah, so be praying for revival. It's happening in the world and we want to see it here as well. Uh did you have another point, Michael? Yeah. So something cool I read and kind of touches on different things we've been saying in the kind of current event prayer challenge time in the beginning. Uh, I was reading this article about a lady that was healed the blindness. Uh, so she actually went blind when she was, I think 18 or something in like 1950 something or another. And then her husband, who is a pastor, prayed for her in 1970 something or another. And, uh, she just like straight up got healed like in that moment come on from like complete blindness and uh it it was crazy because and the reason it came up was so there's an organization called the global medical research institute that did a study recently and they were basically like looking into this story and um doing a bunch of research on it and she has medical reports because she was um, from when she went blind because she was like fully legally blind so she had medical points to prove that and then there were medical points or then after her husband prayed for um, she had more medical tests done and they noted the like the change that was super sudden because it was like she had some crazy named um, it's called okay so she had diagnosed she'd been diagnosed with incurable juvenile macular degeneration. She was like, of course <laughs> I know exactly. She yeah. was like, so it was just saying that she couldn't see anything at all. But anyways, it's cool because they have reports from that time slash up through. Cause she was like going to school for blindness and stuff for blind people. <laughs> she was going to school for blind people. And, uh, yeah, so then they have reports for after, like her medical reports after she got healed. And so they were like, so this large medical institution is like, yeah, she got healed by prayer. And we're looking into the effects of prayer as like medical <laughs> treatment for like incurable diseases and stuff. Come on. <laughs> and it's crazy. But I wanted to read this thing she said because it was really good. She said, what people need to understand is I was blind, totally blind, attended the school for the blind, I read Braille and walked with a white cane. The woman... Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, Never had I seen my husband or daughter's face. I was blind when my husband prayed for me. Then just like that, in a moment, after years of darkness, I could see perfectly. It It was miraculous. My daughter's picture was on the dresser. I could see what my little girl and husband looked like. I could see the floor, the steps. Within seconds, my life had drastically changed, and I could see... And I was like, that's crazy. But we've been talking about like praying for people and healings and stuff. And so I just thought it was like a cool testimony slash a challenge of like continue to be praying for people. Like let's be bold and courageous and go after the things that Jesus promised.
0: In your face, cessationism. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> too much <laughs> no <laughs> just wasn't expecting that as the like, response <laughs> just um, thinking at, we I showed it at one of our um, like gatherings once maybe a year or so ago where um, even those who were colorblind were given like glasses that would make them not colorblind anymore hmm. and just how like almost every one of them just immediately breaks down crying because mm-hmm. they've never seen color like wow the normal human sees color and you know i can't imagine being full on like w- not being able to see to like being able to see and just like it's crazy uh, yeah the life-changing world that'd be crazy So I looked up Wikipedia's definition of evangelism just because I wanted to see what, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And it says, In Christianity, evangelism is the commitment to or act of publicly preaching, within parentheses, ministry, of the gospel with the intention to share the message and teachings of Jesus Christ.
0: That's a good definition.
2: Yeah something i like think about with evangelism is like and i don't have like this is the the thing you know this is the way it is but i often imagine like or think about is it really evangelism if we're not giving someone the opportunity to make a decision to step into something more than what they were already like in yeah is it if we just say Jesus loves you to someone or we pray for them to be blessed, is that evangelism or is that encouragement? And that could be semantics. I don't know, but some, there's something about evangelism to me that like where you're going out with the intention to create an opportunity for someone to step into something new, hmm. hopefully death to life in a spiritual manner.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And like Charles Finney, who's a big proponent of revival in the 1800s, he had a big emphasis on like the now decision. Like you don't know what's going to happen to that person. You don't know what's going on in their life. And this might be the moment that they're like, ah, yes, you know, like I'm going to (laughs) submit myself to the Lord. and, And they encounter the Father, you know, but you don't know until you like go for it.
0: Right, on. Well, this has been your rabbit trail on evangelism. Come
1: on. <laughs> it's a good rabbit trail, though. Hey. Now it's time for Dad Jokes with Cody. Dad Jokes with Cody. will come
0: up with a jingle eventually. Aww. <laughs> all right, you guys ready? I don't know. So ready. I don't, I don't think ready. I can ever be ready for this. I've been know. ready
1: all week. <laughs> Okay,
0: <clears throat> why did the Scarecrow get a promotion? I don't know, Cody, why? <laughs> because he was outstanding in his field. <laughs> 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 oh, that's so good. I mean, that one requires a little bit of thought. I had
2: to like process <laughs> it for like
1: at least a second. Uh-huh. <laughs> so this week we're going to talk about the Discipleship Training School. Discipleship Training School. Oh, yeah.
0: Meanwhile, Michael Max clattering his eyes <laughs> <ice> over
1: there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you want to say it? Discipleship Training School in uh, an voice? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine.
2: DTS, also known as the DTS, which on the podcast you've probably heard... That acronym multiple times. So anytime you hear DTS, you can think of Discipleship Training School. True it's true. Not. We have
0: a lot of acronyms. We do. Like oh. what? <laughs> SOM, oh. SOW, SOMD, Y-W-A-M,
1: uh, S.A.L.T. We talked about the S.A.L.T.
0: S.B.S. <laughs> B.C.C. <laughs> what did I get think of anymore? SCS. <laughs> we just start making them up. <laughs> <T-M-I>. XYZ. <laughs> ABCD. LOL. LOL.
2: <laughs> See, we have lots of them.
1: Yep. These youngins. They use more acronyms than words. So, Michael Mack, do you want to share the general layout of the Discipleship Training School?
2: I can give it a go.
1: Um,. The
2: discipleship training school is a five to six month. It can be longer than that. But I think generally it has to be five months, um, 12 weeks worth of like in the classroom. Sometimes we call it lecture phase, but that seems really boring title to me. So I think we should uh, stir it up and give it a new name. Um, But. Within that um, lecture phase, it's set up to where you have a week-long teaching in the classroom with a speaker who's probably coming from somewhere around the world to speak on a topic for a whole week. Um, And the topics can be various from learning about the Holy Spirit as a topic, the Father Heart of God. Hearing God's voice, identity, our identity in God, Hmm. Um, Jesus, (laughs) Um, missions, discipleship, discipleship. Yes. (laughs) So it it can have any of those topics, but usually a speaker speaks for about three hours a day and that isn't just all speaking that's like a lot of like classroom participation as well ministry times um and it's usually these speakers that we're bringing in are amazing outstanding speakers
0: very creative fairly often
2: (laughs) yeah and um so it's not like sitting and listening to the most boring person in the world you know like in my mind if i was told like this is gonna look like you sitting down and listening to somebody talk for 3 hours straight every day i'd be like that doesn't sound that great but it's some of the most enriching um life-giving moments in my life probably mm-hmm. just to hear s- some people who are really engaged with god really speak from their hearts and their life experience about who god is what he's like and what we're supposed to how we're supposed to engage with him Um, so also within, um, the, what is called the lecture phase, which is the first 12 weeks, um, there it's called, well, the environment, we call it a live, learn environment. So everyone lives together and shares in community. And so, you know, there's things like taking care of the place that you're living in and cleaning up after yourself. We all eat together in a dining hall. Um, There's, within that 12 weeks as well, you split up into smaller groups of usually um, same sex, like male, all the dudes go one way, all the ladies go another way, having a small group. And that small group can be split up into multiple different groups depending on how many students are in the school um and that's called small group huh <laughs> and that's a you know i think the reason one of the reasons at least that there's the like large group learning environment and then a small group and then a one-on-one is that because different people process in different ways and so some people process well in a large group classroom environment other people don't process well or, Um, in that environment. So it's like, okay, here's a small group that you can process some things within. Well, some people don't feel comfortable in small groups. Some people are better one-on-one. So there's also a one-on-one that you get to have each week with one of the leaders within the discipleship training school. There's often, um, there's like, well, depending on the school, there can be multiple uh, ministry times throughout the week but at least once a week um there's a set aside like we are going out to do ministry and we try to switch it up and give people different flavors of like ministry so one week we might go out and hit the streets and just walk up to people and start talking to them about Jesus another week we might go to a like food bank you know and just help distribute food to um people that are in need And, you know, those are both vastly different ministries, but important. And they can Mm. just give a well-rounded understanding of what ministry can look like. Um, We also have community investments, Mm. which is just taking on a job on the campus and, like, working. Kind of doing your part to serve the community. Yeah. Also within uh the first 12 weeks there's we have corporate gatherings. Mm-hmm. Um and so our corporate gatherings um are well we're doing corporate g- gatherings basically every day now but um Mondays we open up every week with worship, an hour of worship just dedicating the week to the Lord and um just kind of getting fueled and ready I've learned that worship really can fuel you for just living. So um, Then Tuesday morning, we work on fundraising um, because all of us are volunteer missionaries, so that's something that we have to emphasize if we want to keep going. Um, Wednesday morning, we have worship and intercession time, and those can kind of... Um, be intermingled or have a worship time and then stop and have intercession time. Um, And that intercession time can be really about anything. And then Thursday mornings, we've been having our Bible study. Um, And then Friday mornings, we have just straight up intercession. Um, And that has been, in the last couple seasons, focused on unreached people groups. So uh, people groups in the world that have very limited or no access to the gospel whatsoever. Mm. So just praying and interceding that God would uh, break through or that he would send missionaries there, including sending us. So every week we're like, Lord, if it's us, we will go, you know, (laughs) just say
1: the word and we'll jump on planes and, and go. I, I just was thinking as you were talking how much like we kind of just bring students into like what we're already doing here, like corporately. And then there's also like classroom time on top of that. But um, a lot of it's just generally like we're inviting you into what we already kind of do and have cultivated here.
2: Yeah. And just thinking about the the classroom part of it where there's three hours of class lecture. I, I just want to reemphasize how important those three hours really are. Yeah. And f- for some reason, when I say it, it really does sound boring. Like when, when you, to me, when someone says lecture phase yeah. and three hours of lecture, that doesn't sound like, Oh, the most brilliant life changing, like <laughs> moments of life. It sounds like a really boring thing. And so I want to reemphasize just how exciting those moments are Mm -hmm. and being a leader i've been able to sit through the those lecture phase hours as a student and then i've been able to like then lead or staff schools multiple and every time i anticipate those lecture phase moments it's just like there's such life-giving and like you know just food for the soul and you really are being oh one of the reasons that we have one speaker speak for a whole week is because we really want that speaker to invest their life into people yeah and it's not just a like you hear somebody speak and you're inspired by what they say in one hour that these these speakers that are coming in are people that we trust that we know that we love, that we know are setting good examples in life and are doing ministry. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just a, like, informational, like, let me give you some information. There's there's an impartation of who they are and what they carry in life to us so that we are incorporating, you know, like, hopefully even the anointing that they carry And we want them to invest that into us and into our students so that when we are going to the lecture phase of things, I mean, to the outreach phase that we're carrying this, the goods with us that have been imparted.
1: Yeah, it's seriously, like my favorite part of the school, I think is just getting like poured into from people who are like just have grown so much and have experienced so much themselves, you know.
2: Yeah, it's basically an amazing mentoring process. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. so good. So maybe we should call it something not so boring. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's a shout out to the DTS Center. <laughs> Anybody that may be listening, maybe change the words lecture phase to mentoring awesome phase. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> mentoring awesome phase.
0: I love it so much. Well, I think that pretty much sums up the phase. <laughs> Well,
2: I want to say one more thing. <laughs> I'll just keep saying it. There's so much life that happens within, outside of the classroom, outside of the designated ministry times of friendship building mm. with your like classmates, schoolmates, with your friends. And it's some of the most, it's some of the deepest relationships you could possibly form. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah one of the fun things as a leader that you get to see is like people crying when they're leaving. Oftentimes we have too many students in one school to send them all to one location. We don't want to bombard on outreach. Like yeah, a specific location with students, especially if it's an unreached people group or something like that. And so oftentimes we'll split up, you know, the students into two d- different groups or four different groups, depending, and to see those students get split up is like the saddest thing because they were like, "We've just been." It's like they've become like everyone's become best friends, and it's yeah. just amazing. So, that's that's something that is happening within the. What did we call it phase?
0: I don't know. We need like an act. We need uh, another uh, acronym. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the L. The G H. I remember awesome, isn't there? M-T-H-G-I-X-Q-P. Mentor
1: Awesome stage. <laughs> stage. Map.
0: The map phase.
2: No, you can't say <laughs> just, phase just map. again. <laughs> the map. map. <laughs> <laughs> In the map,
0: amazing relationships are built. It's mm-hmm. inevitable. True that. I've gotten a few lifelong friends out of my DTS. Same. But that was a good
2: segue into... <laughs> the the previous statement was a good segue into the outreach phase because I was talking about how, like, what's imparted in the map <laughs> we take into outreach phase. Yep, the op,
0: and the, the op. <laughs> that
2: makes um, sense actually. And so outreach is eight weeks to, I mean, forever. Yeah. I guess, but the, the minimal amount of time you can spend. So outreach phase, the op, is eight weeks spent in a cross-cultural experience. So it doesn't necessarily have to be outside of the Uni- United States as long as it's cross-cultural. But hey, we're made to go to the nations. We are youth with a mission. Yeah. So uh, most often we'll be going to, um, somewhere across the world, somewhere overseas. Um, and it could be anywhere. And that's also exciting. Um, the way that we choose our ministry locations is literally every, um, time we run a new school, we just sit down and ask the Lord, where do you want us to go this time? And so it could be anywhere in the world. Um, the primary objective is evangelism, We've talked previously in our podcast about why I'm having three prongs. And so the first prong of the fishing spear is training, (laughs) which is what you're doing in a discipleship training school is training. And then the second prong is evangelism. The third prong is mercy ministries. And so that's basically what you're jumping into in outreach is there might be some element of training because you're being led still and you're still kind of a student feel. Um, But you are on the mission field. You are a missionary. And so everything's set up to do evangelism and mercy ministry.
1: Yep. So can you tell us about the U of N and how accreditation works? Accreditation? Yes.
2: Yeah. So all of
1: the schools
2: within YWAM and in within YWAM Nashville are a part of also the University of the Nations. And the University of the Nations um, just recently received its accreditation. And so now every course that you take with YWAM is accredited and you can get an accredited degree, um, associate's degrees, bachelor's degrees, and even master's degrees. Within YM, oh. and I think they, I don't know if they're working on doctric programs or not. I don't think they've gotten that far yet. Maybe they have. So there's requirements within the le- lecture phase, the map <laughs> phase, just the map. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's also requirements on outreach. And so I can't remember all the requirements, but you're required to worship, which I'm like, that's the best requirement ever. <laughs> you're required to intercede and pray. Yeah. Best requirement ever. It's
1: like so many hours. You're required
2: to, you know, go and do evangelism. You're required to, I think, do some kind of community investment work, you know. And. You're required to meet together as a group to have team time. I don't remember all the specifics, but <clears throat> that's all a part of
1: the the outreach phase. So, will you tell us about kind of the financial aspect of DTS? Yes. So the cost currently um,
2: for the YWAM Nashville DTS discipleship training school is $3,590. So 3600 if you add 10. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a number to keep in mind. And f- for the most part, we are desiring people to pay that up front on arrival. We make special exceptions for people all the time, um, just understanding situations. But it's always more beneficial to get that out of the way, and so we recommend um, either working to, you know, acquire that amount or doing fundraising up until that point. And so for me and my wife, when we were thinking about um, joining YOM, that's something that we did is we just um, asked a couple of our churches that we had close community with to. Contribute and some individuals and so we had the amount that we needed before we came Which was a really great benefit Mm -hmm. because a lot of times you can see people struggling to Fundraise for that while trying to learn in the DTS and it's just not a favorable environment because everyone um, is also fundraising for the outreach and so a typical outreach cost Anywhere between, we basically recommend four to $5,000 uh, for fundraising and for outreach. And that cov- covers your flight, plane ticket to wherever you're going in the world, plus the at least eight weeks, two months of uh, ground fees. So food, transportation, How housing. Yeah
0: ministry calls fees from natives <laughs> <laughs> you never know <laughs> <Don't> taxi <laughs> <laughs> extortion bribing, <laughs> toilet <paying> paper <laughs> toilet paper it's true these are all real things water <laughs> yes water
2: all the necessities Hi. Hey. Mm. which four to five thousand dollars for all of that is extremely inexpensive and so we're not trying to stay in the best of places yeah, we're not, it's
0: not a luxury vacation
2: yeah and we're not trying to make it that way we're honestly trying to be as much as we can with the people that we're going to minister to on outreach we don't want to set ourselves above them in any way mm-hmm. we want to meet them in where they're at and so living as they would live is a really important part of that
0: which yeah, may be a hostel maybe a mud hut in the amazon you never know
1: yeah,
2: he didn't say hostile. He said
0: a hostel. <laughs> it is a type of hotel,
1: usually for backpackers. In case you don't know. So, yeah, that's the structure of the deception training school. I don't know if there's anything else. Then you, oh, then you normally come back for debrief. uh debrief for a week, few days, kind of. Um, yeah, you just process through different things that happen on outreach and different dynamics and yeah as michael max says try to close that chapter before you start a next one and then you uh have graduation after that so right on so when
2: did you do your dts i did my dts in the year 2008.
1: (laughs) how old were you in 2008 cody i was 10.
2: (laughs) 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 that's great um, yeah. Exciting times. I did a soccer DTS. So that's another thing is that uh, a lot of different, um, y locations will run different emphasized DTSs, different. A DTS with a different emphasis. Mm-hmm. And so the one that I did was a soccer DTS. And so I was really interested in using soccer as a ministry tool to reach people. And so when we were in, praying about stepping into missions. That's what happened is um, my father-in-law called us and said, Hey, YWAM Nashville is running a soccer DTS and thought you guys might be interested. And earlier that day, God had been speaking to me saying, I'm about to open a door for you. Walk through it. And so that night he called and said that. And I was like, this is it. This is our opportunity. We're doing this. (laughs) It was super exciting. And that was supposed to be in the summer of 2008. And then we sold all of our stuff, and we're ready to go. And then they called us two weeks before, and we're like, actually, we're postponing it to the fall. So we awkwardly moved in with my in-laws, and uh, (laughs) I went and got a job at Starbucks. That was interesting times. And Annie got a job at Opryland Hotel, which is like a famous hotel in Nashville. And um, we worked in Earned a little bit of money, which was beneficial probably to us. (laughs) I bet it was. And uh, yeah. And we, so fall of 2008, and we had an amazing time in that. And then we went on outreach to Argentina. Come on. Which, man, Argentina had been on my heart like my whole life. Like, There was, like, the continent of Africa and Argentina for some reason. (laughs) It's oddly specific. (laughs) We're, like, two places. And for some reason, it started happening when I watched, I can't remember what year it was, World Cup. And I, like, chose Argentina. I was like, this team. This is going to be my team other than the USA, because I knew the USA was not that good and was <laughs> probably going to lose. <laughs> sure. So I was like, maybe this team will be good. And they ended up making it to the finals, I believe, and losing in the final. So oh. it was a good pick. But anyways, that nation had been out my heart ever since it, I was a child. And so uh, to get to hear that that's where we were going, I was, like, blown away. And then God did some amazing things on that outreach so I don't know if I should go into those now or, yeah, or not do it. yeah do it. it's the time this is the time the time and the place man outreach in Argentina so so many crazy little things and then some overarching large things um, we started out in a place called what was that place called probably doesn't matter a smaller town outside of um oh outside of Buenos Aires called Itusango and we did soccer ministry. We went around and invited young kids in and um did evangelism. We would gather crowds of people through soccer and then afterward after our soccer game was over we would share the gospel and I remember one opportunity to be able to share the gospel. They were like, Michael, you get to share this time. So super excited. And, um, you know, sometimes when you're like sharing, you can just feel God's presence. And so that was happening. And I was like, I feel God's presence. And I, you know, know something's going to happen. And so I gave a gospel presentation and an opportunity to respond. And there was probably like 30 people there, um, young teenager-ish crowd maybe a few adults maybe a few younger kids and this one i think he was like eight year old boy was the only one to raise his hand to receive the gospel but he was like the most precious like kid and huh. like his boldness to raise his hand when no one else did just astounded me and i still remember like this kid you know this was how many years ago now 10 12 12 years ago <laughs> I can't count. Sorry. <laughs> Twelve years ago, and I still remember this kid's face and him raising his hand to receive the gospel. And you could see the crazy change. And then from him raising his hand to receive the gospel, it like just ignited a boldness in some of the other um, young people, and they, like a few others, raised their hand. And so that was awesome. From cool. there, we um, went to mendoza argentina which is on the right below the andes mountain range on the border of chile and um one of our main ministries was to go into this neighborhood that was called la basura which means the trash trash. (laughs) so you can imagine what kind of neighborhood it was it was literally a trash dump that people had um taken trash particles, objects, and created homes out of. And so um, we went and built a volleyball court because Argentinian people, Argentine people, are into um, volleyball and soccer. So built a volleyball court. They already had a little soccer field. We cleaned it up and um, would invite them to come and play and do, like, a lot of times on DTS outreaches, You'll do what is called an open-air preaching, open-air presentation, open-air presentation, where oftentimes you'll have some different dramas to present because you're most likely going to a nation where you don't speak their language, at least fluently. And so um, the gospel through drama translates without language. And so uh, music, uh, we usually play a few songs and then give some testimonies that have translation with them and then a a gospel message and it's proven to be an amazing method to really touch people to hear to see it to hear testimonies and to hear a real message and to be given an opportunity to respond so that was amazing Um, and the people that were hosting us were like do not go into this neighborhood they will kill you but like we had a burning passion you know anytime somebody <laughs> says don't do something it automatically like creates in you a new desire to do something especially if it's for a righteous cause mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we were like please let us go into this neighborhood and eventually like i think it was close to the last day they were like okay you can go in and so we went in and it was a little scary. <laughs> people were like looking at us like we were crazy. And we saw some people like kind of like coming at us a couple times. We weren't sure what their intentions were, but we made it to this one um, like high point and we got up on this high point, And I r- remember we just worshiped like maniacs. And then we came down and we just began to meet the people and um, we got to share and there was really just, kind of, re- of a, a revival there uh, just a great response and just I, I can't remember how many people ended up giving their lives to the Lord but what really astounded me was years later I found out that we were the first to ever go into that community but oh. every outreach team after us has now been going into the community and they've seen amazing fruit from it and oh, uh wow. and they're they've continued the volleyball and soccer ministry there and so I'm just like, yeah, we got so to be good. a part of that. <laughs> Another crazy testimony is um, we got to go to a prison. And um, again, th- it was like my turn to, to preach the gospel. And so I was like, man, what do you preach to like people that are in prison? But God gave me um, this message. I can't remember some of it, but the, the gist of it was... That they could have more freedom within that prison than millions of people outside of the prison could have if they had Jesus in their heart. Yeah. Like giving them the freedom that is true freedom. And I think I preached about the life of David and the life of Peter and how dumb and mistake driven they were at times Mm. but how god was like this is the perfect people i want to use and uh just that's their you know i was like who i don't remember if i actually had them raise their hands of like like who's murdered and like who's committed adultery in here you know like and probably that's you know as bad as some of them got you know in their prison sentences But that's what David, you know, was guilty of. And David was a man after God's own heart. So preach this message. And it was so cool. Like, as I was preaching, it was, it was like the people, the guys, it was a men's prison. They were like on the edges of their seats, like leaning in to the words that I was speaking. And I, again, just felt the presence of God. And we gave an altar call. And I think it was like 30 people, 30 guys like gave their lives to Jesus, which is awesome. But what came after that was (laughs) the most amazing part. Um, We had um, somebody suggested that we do a fire tunnel. And so Mm -hmm. if anybody doesn't know what a fire tunnel is, a lot of people don't is where all of our um, group lined up. There was probably like 15 of us. We made a line and then all the prisoners came through the, like, we were facing each other, creating a tunnel with our arms. And they came through the tunnel of arms, and we w- laid hands and prayed for them. I mean, I don't know how many people were in this prison, but probably at least, like, 300. Yeah. Maybe more. I can't re- really remember that well, and I didn't count. But there was no air, con- air conditioning, and it was the summertime there and so um imagine no air conditioning in a enclosed building full of around 300 people or more I did, like i said it didn't count and close quarters were praying for them and i don't know if you've ever prayed for 300 people in a row but it is a little bit tiring yeah, and so. But like the, uh, you know, like the end of the line is coming through, and I'm like so tired. Like when they first started coming through, I'm like, yeah, fire, yeah, Jesus, get him, whoa. By the end, I'm like, yes, Lord, touch this man, you know, like. <laughs> 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 and uh, but I think it was like maybe even the last guy coming through. <clears throat> all of a sudden, he just erupts into speaking in tongues. And then he starts shouting and then the whole prison erupts with worship and praise and tongues and shouting and dancing and chanting like for it, what felt like an hour or so but it was probably more like 15 minutes but like in the midst of it like this excitement for jesus i'd never experienced anything like this before and so it was just like and when argentine people like get excited. Like if you've ever seen an Argentine soccer game, I mean, the people are just going crazy. They're like throwing their hands in the air and they're chanting. They're like, "Ah, and so that's what they were doing except for unto the Lord. They were chanting, dancing, jumping up and down, shouting. And it was like, what is going on here? And so quite the experience Mm -hmm. of, Revival in prison.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, I could go on with some stories. Uh, maybe just one more. Yeah. Okay. Um, the. We went back to Buenos Aires and we got to stay in a property that YWM um, Buenos Aires, Argentina had bought that was across from the. One of the main government buildings and um every day we weren't sure what like we were supposed to be doing we didn't have like a great plan other than like going out and doing evangelism um but in the city of buenos aires at the time like you would walk out to the street and every block someone would hand you a piece of paper with um a picture of a nude woman on it and Mm -hmm. a phone number and an address And so, and there was hundreds of papers like that scattered on the streets that you're walking over because you know a lot of people are taking this piece of paper and just throwing it as soon as they get it. Um, There's pictures on like plastered on walls. There's like newsstands that are selling pornographic like um, magazines, and so basically everywhere that you would look, you would see nude women. <laughs> that was super challenging for probably everybody, but especially the males in our group. And so we were just like, you know, it's just like this um, super sex n- nudity, like infused environment. So yeah, yeah. And so like I would, you know, just feel shame and just disgust every time I got home from like, any kind of like going outside of our room, and and so we in our times of intercession that we had one morning, I felt God give us like a plan, and it was to write purity in Spanish, which is the language they speak there, or though. <laughs> and uh, to write pureza, purity, uh, on bandanas and put them over our eyes, and have the females lead us through the streets. And to go to, like, um, different sites that would be, like, main attractions, tourist attractions. And to stand um, and pray and intercede and read Psalm 119 as we s- stood around those places. Which is a really long psalm, but, like, in basically in protest for what we saw. So every day we would go out and do that be led around with purity written over our eyes and stand around these buildings or like special sites and just begin to pray and intercede and everywhere we went we were kicked out we went to sex shops and did it and we got kicked out by the police every time so the police would come like you can't do this get out of here what are you doing and then but we would just go to a different location so the last day that we were there, um, we were standing around some monument and praying. And we had a guy from a newspaper come and interview us. I didn't speak Spanish, but the, they interviewed one of the leaders that was with us, our translators. And we're like, what are you guys doing? And so they interviewed us. A um, radio station came and interviewed us. A um, TV station came and interviewed us, and I mean, we would get all kinds of remarks. Like some people would come up to us, like super angry at us for what we we're doing, and some of uh, people would come up to us and praise us for what we were doing. And it was just a very odd thing, but we were basically interceding for the abolishment of sex slavery in the in the nation, and so. Um, The last, again, the last day, the last person to come up to us handed us a card and it said, like, I can't remember exact words, but it was like, jefe of the government, like boss of the government. (laughs) It was like, he handed us this card and he was like, "Um, no one has any right to tell you that you have to leave. No police officer, no one. So you now have my permission to to like stand in opposition to this as anywhere you want as much as you want wow and he was like this is the permission you need. come on jesus and so it was really cool but it just happened to be the last day that we were there so we oh, were like man. dang why couldn't this have happened before yeah. but i mean so we get back from our dts not thinking much of what we had done in those times because it was just intercession you know like we didn't see any like necessarily breakthrough moments of what we were praying for happening but then um one of our dts classmates sent us an article that like a website article that said um new president blah 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 um has banned all um what is it called solicitation of sex trafficking come on Um, and so we were just like <gasps> Our prayers did matter. Our intercession <laughs> yeah. did have an effect and so it was like, you know, little group of fifteen, you know, like Y kids, um, just like we felt like that it was, you know, obviously God, but like yeah. he used us to, to really shift something in an entire nation and in in sex slavery, you know, at least the solicitation of it. So um those are just a few stories I could go like on and on of what God did through our DTS outreach.
1: It's so good,
0: that's awesome. So I've never good. heard that
1: story before. Thanks for sharing. That's yeah. awesome. So uh, in kind of overall, um, and this might be the last thing because obviously we could all share about yeah. all the things, but overall, what was like for you personally? Um, your take away from the dts like if you had to be like god did this yeah in my heart that one's easy
2: for me um god taught me humility Mm. like and i think that's something that yom really carries is just this emphasis on humility that it's god that's doing the stuff not you like he will definitely use you but um because I had been a part of basically the charismatic church stream, you know, um, since i had gotten saved, um, as a teenager, but I had not ever seen like a true, like humble walk of humility with the Lord. It's, m- it was more of like, this guy is a great minister and he can do miracles, you know, like, yeah. And, um there wasn't the true like humility and so I don't know how to go further into that other than just say that that's what I took away yeah. from it. If, if anything, it was like how to be a humble lover of Jesus.
1: It's so good. It's good stuff.
0: It's really easy making these podcasts. I feel like we've got great stories and people around here and we're just yeah. mining for gold in a rich field, you know.
1: Yeah. It's so good. Thank you for sharing all the things with us. Fo show. Most deaf.
2: <laughs> my breath. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so do we want to... Let's oh, move yeah. into uh, base happenings. No marks.
0: So things are picking back up around here. We've got a DTS coming up this fall that you can come be a part of. You can uh, email us for any information at info at ywamnashville.org. But we'll send you an application if you email us or you can go on our website, I think, which is just ywmnashville.org. But anyways, so come be a part of that. That's September 20th. Or if you're more of a spring kind of person, we're having (laughs) one this spring as well. Breaking news. Yep. So start date is March 28th. Yep. And Michael here, yours truly, is going to be the DTS leader for the spring DTS. And my so, wife. Yeah, and his wife. She gets
1: thrown under the bus as well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you haven't met her yet. You you probably will, you will. eventually. Don't worry. It'll happen. We'll rope yeah, her we'll in. We'll drag her in Still haven't her yet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's two things that are happening. Those are probably our biggest things. But we're also, like Michael Mack said earlier, they're cutting a path down to the river. True that. Those Woo! old trailblazers you. <laughs> making prophetic pathways through the wilderness come on (laughs) uh yeah we're starting a garden out here luke's working on that he's spearheading that operation
1: yep that's luke from the i guess two episodes ago at this point um and that's kind of for like a community based kind of thing so we're looking forward to that have some fresh veggies all organic super (laughs) organic (laughs) YWAM
0: Memphis is having a, an evangelism thing this June, the first week of June. The yeah, first, the first week, week of June, and I, it's changed a little bit since I originally signed up for it. But it's gonna be like evangelism and like praying for people and just like really going after it and hitting the streets. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, we Some felt of us like God saying.
2: For us to be on the cutting edge and, you know, just coming out of this whole COVID-19, like, scare and isolation and, you know, pandemic, you know, it's been our prayer that this would be the harvest, you know, that people would be ready to yeah. hear because of what they've come through and that this could potentially be this. Next Great Awakening. Come on.
0: Come on. Yeah. I should probably note YWM Memphis is still in its pioneering stages, and we work very closely with them. They're our extended family. Yep. So basically anytime they do anything, they're like, you guys want to come? And a good percentage of us are like, bring it on. Give me a date. <laughs> yeah.
2: They're so. they're really a ministry outlet for us. Yeah. And they're they're actually still a part of YWAM Nashville. But they're, oh. um, Wildwind Nashville, ministering in Memphis, Tennessee. So yeah, well, you learn something new. But they day. are in Memphis as well, so it's kind of a weird dynamic. But
0: <laughs> yeah, I just roll with it. There's like a few micro, Wildwind bases out there that are like
1: it's like they're not super fully established as yeah. their own yet. So
0: and uh, yeah, so that kind of concludes what's going on here with us.
1: Awesome stuff. If you want to support the base in any way if you want to support michael mack and his family if you want to support the podcast or literally anything we're doing around here um it's all it's all fundraised for and is from the donations of people who believe in the mission and feel a call from the lord of to to give and so if you have any questions on how to give or a desire to give just hit us up uh at our podcast at yymnashville.org email and we can connect you with the right people and make it happen so yeah and all right you or you could come visit too so
0: oh, yeah feel free to come check us out
1: yeah feel free to, to come visit you could stay a couple of days or pop in and we can give you a base tour and uh, meet you and pray for you and you can jump into life like michael mack was saying earlier we'd do some corporate things, so Monday morning worship um, at 8.30, we typically, is open. And in the a.m. In the a.m., 8.30 a.m. Uh, also, Wednesday, worship and intercession, same time, and then Friday intercession, same time, are pretty much open for people to come be a part of.
2: Also, we're about to start. We're 10 days from Pentecost, mm. starting Thursday, and so... I guess this will be out in a couple of weeks, but we're going to be just doing an extended gathering. The Lord had been speaking to me about just like um, like bringing everybody together coming out of this whole pandemic, especially our core group staff here. And um, also he just kept saying the word Terry, Terry, T-A-R-R-Y, I believe. Is yep. how it's spelled? Yeah. Like, and, and so he, he was like saying to me, where are the terriers? Again, with a T-A-R-R-I-E-R-S, not like the dog terriers or anything. Yeah, sure. Um, and then he spoke to me and said, um, will you just tarry with me for another moment? And that comes from, uh, the scripture where Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane, I believe. And he asks the, I think it's Peter and John, if they will just tarry with him another moment in prayer and they fall asleep and he comes back and he's like, bruh, yeah. bros, what are you doing <laughs> sleeping? <laughs> like, I'm <laughs> sweating blood. Could you just stay awake for another moment and pray with me? Yeah. And they fall asleep again, I think. But that was like what God emphasized was like, will you just tarry with me and pray just a little bit longer, just be together a little bit longer. And when he, um, ascend before he ascended, he told them to tarry in the upper room. Well, he just told them to tarry. I guess they chose the upper room, um, (laughs) in Jerusalem and wait till they were filled with the spirit to go out and to do ministry. Yeah. Endued with power. And so we're going to spend the next, um, 10 or so days waiting (laughs) the terriers we shall be called (laughs) we'll go down in history as the terriers bring it on so that's something that we're we're jumping into that these guys may not have known those details we just discussed it yesterday in our leadership team meeting and i kind of announced it monday morning but with unknown like practicals which there's still no practicals to it it's just we're gonna do our main monday morning meeting or thursday morning meeting and then just continue to meet and see what jesus does which i'm hoping is worship and repentance and glory
0: that sums up our uh, main topic discussion no but it doesn't
2: i want to talk more
0: <laughs> <laughs> well you'll get an opportunity to because i've got some fun questions for you oh yeah oh boy i bet you didn't see that coming oh, no I get ready get nuts. ready uh-oh <laughs> i was joking <laughs> what is The most embarrassing story you had from an Outreach.
2: (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) By far, one of the most
0: embarrassing (laughs) moments was
2: in the mountains of North Africa. Mm. And I had gone with a small shovel and some toilet paper to find a secret spot. And I thought I had found my secret spot to dig a hole and to get rid of some wastes, And as I'm squatting into this hole to get rid of some wastes, all of a sudden, like, a large group, maybe, like, 10, like, 13-year-old girls surround (laughs) me and are, like, five feet or less, and they're just staring at me, watching me. Wow. I'm (laughs) pooping. And they're staring and giggling and watching and, like, you know, like nudging each other and like whispering to each other's ears, and I'm like, y- you're you're like three feet away from me. <laughs> like, what are you doing? And I'm like, <laughs> k- like waving my arm, like go go away, please. <laughs> like this is weird. <laughs> like I, this should be weird for you. It's really weird for me. <laughs> well, that that's, that's probably perfect. probably definitely the most embarrassing moment. Probably definitely but okay so and then they never left they like like i wiped and they watched me wipe i'm like that's so weird Uh. (laughs) stop it oh (laughs) man but i just had to bear the shame of the moment and just like walk on
1: (laughs) like about your business
0: number two what was your biggest screw up in the kitchen like in general yeah, like,
1: like any kitchen anywhere kitchen, at any like point in your life.
0: You were cooking, and it was an utter disaster. Well...
1: <laughs> Michael Mac's really good at cooking, Or so.
0: you lit something on fire.
1: <laughs>
2: Basically, whatever. What came to my mind was, I have no idea what I was chopping. This was when I was a little bit younger, like a kid. I was chopping something with a large knife, and I sat it down, the knife and whatever I was chopping, and then I dropped something on the knife which was like slightly hanging off the edge and it did a flip and then like speared into my leg oh. and it was like waving back and forth like, oh, like, you know, like <laughs> Dung. and then I, I walked into the living room with the knife still in my oh. leg and I was like dad <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> and he was like that's funny, and he started laughing, <laughs> and that was the end of the conversation. <laughs> I oh walked back goodness. into the, the kitchen, pulled the knife out of my leg, and grabbed something to like stop the blood. Uh, that's my memory. That's really funny. You didn't <laughs> go to the I hospital. don't remember <laughs> what the question was. It was just screw up in the kitchen. Yeah, that, made yeah, that So that, that, that about does deal. it. <laughs> <Yeah. Probably qualifies. laughs> Did you end up going to the hospital? No, it actually wasn't that bad of like. I don't know how it, but. I don't know if it wasn't that bad in my family's consideration (laughs) or if it really wasn't that bad, but it seemed to stop bleeding fairly quickly. And uh, And you lived. Yeah. Obviously. Here you
1: are. (laughs) Well, thanks for joining us for this episode.
2: I have a question for you. Oh. I have to think of something. A challenge. (laughs) What is your name?
1: Michael.
0: Cody.
2: What is your favorite color?
0: Yellow? Oh wait. Ah! It's green. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's
2: f- that's my last question. <laughs> Fair enough.
1: <laughs> well then thank you for joining us. Make sure nobody else yeah. has anything. Thanks for joining us for this episode. Yeah. Episode number five.
0: Thank you to Michael Mack. Thank you to the listeners. Thanks for having me guys. It was yes. you bet. Was fun. fun again. Yes. Hasta luego.
2: Bye. Pasta. Hasta Dude, pasta. I'm just excited to hear the ending music. <laughs> I know.
1: It <laughs> <laughs> should be
0: starting right <laughs> now.
1: probably fade out with us talking in that